Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. We're very excited uh, this morning to kick off our first podcast. And uh, with me in the studio here is Tony Butler, and I am Bob Bittner, uh, more affectionately known uh, around here as Papa Dude. So uh, you may hear me being referred to as Papa Dude, uh, but you'll know who I am. Uh, Tony, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, Papa Dude. I'm doing good. Good. Uh, Well, listen, uh, I'm really excited to do this with you, uh, these podcasts. And since we're a technology company, we want to use technology to uh, further our uh, reach into our uh, uh, facility management world and give our clients and prospective clients uh, and friends of uh, facility management uh, more information about their profession. So uh, it's really exciting to be able to move forward with this and uh, share information. And we've got a lot of great stuff in the future to share with our, uh, with our uh, audience out there. Yeah, definitely. We're going to be covering facility management, risk management, fire and life safety, uh, plan maintenance, uh, routine maintenance. Uh, reactive maintenance, et cetera. So a lot for us to talk about and share with everyone. Uh, please, if, if you want to add to the conversation, you can contact us at podcast at facilitydude.com. Also, subscribe subscribe to uh, to the podcast on iTunes or also at Stitcher. Very good. So, uh, so Tony, where do you think we ought to start with all of this? Um, I think let's just start with the beginning, the evolution of facility management. Hey, that sounds good to me. Uh, you know, uh, I might be old, but I'm not uh, old enough to know the very beginning of it uh, because I think we've been doing maintenance uh, for a long, long time uh, on facilities uh, way, way before our time. But uh, there are a lot of things that have influenced uh, the uh, evolution in the last uh, uh, 40 or 50 years that really have changed the uh, landscape of facility management. Yeah, quite a few organizations have come into play. Things have changed, obviously, as uh, we've gone through several wars. We've dealt with the Industrial Revolution. Uh, and, you know, really, I, I think in the beginning of uh, the 20th century, we started building much larger facilities. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was uh, back in 1896 when uh, NFPA was uh, organized. And if anybody's been around facility management very long, they know that acronym as the National Fire Protection Agency. And it was really formed by the insurance companies to impact the uh, loss of claims be, uh, by good uh, facility management from a life safety standpoint, particularly around fire, fire protection, and electrical. Uh, it was back in 1905 that the New York City uh, Police or Fire Department was the very first ones to adopt the NFPA and start to influence the uh, construction of buildings uh, with good fire codes, making them much safer for people to be uh, in, involved with uh, the protection of their lives as they were uh, occupants of buildings. Then back on, we, uh, we take a great jump, Tony, uh, from uh, the early 1900s to, to uh, 1970, around 1970, when uh, some things really started to take place. We'd gone through a couple wars. We had a lot of new buildings that had been built, a lot of new industries that had cropped up. And really the need for preventive maintenance was not really recognized. Um, I don't know what you found about preventive maintenance, Tony, but uh, why don't you share what you found? Uh, 
Well, I know when, when it started, we were completely reactive. So we didn't know the impact of not routinely maintaining you know, our equipment and our facilities. And so, uh, of course, through the life of our facilities or the life of our equipment, that, that need sort of surfaced. And we began to realize that uh, we had to do more than just react to emergency issues. So, you know, it, we went from a reactive state to where we now attempt to plan our maintenance. And, of course, that drives our costs down. That impacts, uh, it helps us with risk management. Um, you know, in, the insurance, as Bob mentioned, I mean, the, the NFPA started um, back in, what was it, 1896. That was created so to protect our people and to protect the lives of the people in the facilities. So uh, a large part of, of what we're doing today is driven to protect the folks who are in the facilities as well as extend the life of our facilities. But again, beginning with just a completely reactive state and then becoming more pro and plan act, uh, plan proactive. Right. You know, there were several things as we jumped forward uh, to look at how people were protected and how the environment was protected. Uh, in the 1970s, at the end of 1970, both um, the EPA, Environmental Protect- Protection Agency, was formed in early December uh, under uh, the Nixon uh, administration that really uh, focused on protecting the environment. We didn't under, fully understand what some of the chemicals that we were using, what some of the exposures we were putting workers to uh, would have long, uh, long-term on the impact of both our natural resources and on people. And so uh, uh, EPA was formed then, and uh, the same month, uh, at the end of the month, OSHA was uh, uh, formed. And it was really, uh, as the Occupational Safety and Health uh, Administration, really put together to protect workers so that uh, they, there was a lot of um, things that were going on, guards, a lot of heavy machinery, a lot of guards not in place, uh, exposing people to very dangerous conditions in the workplace. And so OSHA was put in, into place to help protect our, uh, our workforce. And I know it, it seems like more recently there's been a huge focus in terms of um, sustainable practices uh, coming, you know, even though the EPA formed in 1970, uh, what we're dealing with now, we realize that our natural resources are going to be going away, you know, and if we don't change how we approach, um, you know, how we handle our facilities, the, the chemicals, like you mentioned, things that we're putting back into the environment, et cetera. All of these things will be a good discussion for later on for some more detail, but uh, certainly as we become more aware, more understanding these laws have changed and have developed and have grown over time, making the role of the facility manager more important, making the role of the facility manager uh, requiring a, a much higher level of learning and understanding and knowledge that uh, uh, just a lot of responsibility in that role as a facility manager. We move, uh, we kind of jump forward uh, a little bit, uh, and uh, FEMA was developed and uh, signed into law in 1979. Uh, it did not have a great impact on facility managers, except if there was a great disaster in the area. And then uh, they were able to capture some funds from the government. And so there was a whole new level of record keeping that uh, was required. And, and I think record keeping in both from an OSHA standpoint, uh, an EPA standpoint, and a FEMA standpoint is very important, not only in the past, but today. What, what are your experiences with the need for record keeping, Tony. Oh, documentation is huge. 
Um, when it comes to for insurance purposes, when it comes to liability, uh, you know, you want to have documented what was done, when it was done. Also, as a facility manager, being able to make a decision on what we need to do with maybe this roof. When was the last time we had a problem? And, and being able to find that information so that we can make a decision on what we need to do moving forward. I mean, that's just one example. There's hundreds of examples. I, I think documentation is so important. Uh, of course, Bobby, you were just talking about FEMA as well. You know, I talk to facility managers, I talk to uh, COOs on a routine basis, uh, pretty much day in and day out, and I've talked with several recently in the past couple of years who are dealing with issues uh, with FEMA because they did not document what work they have done uh, on their facilities prior to a storm or a disaster happening. So they're unable to be reimbursed for, for the work that was uh, completed uh, due to that storm or the work that was done because of that storm. And what we really want to do here at Facility Dude is provide resources for facility managers to understand how to best capture all that data, how to best uh, do it in a format and an easy way so it just doesn't become overwhelming to them. We jump forward then uh, a little bit more, not too terrible long ago. Tony, you might even remember this year, 1990, and uh, <laughs> Tony's kind of a young guy here, but uh, it's got a lot of experience, uh, a lot of knowledge, and ADA, Americans Disability Act, came into play. And it was, again, really focused around the uh, employee and their ability to do work. And people that had disabilities were uh, finding it difficult to find some employment in some areas and some opportunities because there was not proper access to the areas. And even to the standpoint of uh, being able to go to a, an airport and with a wheelchair and to be able to use a restroom. And so it, again, has really changed the face of what facility managers, facility directors, uh, and chief operating officers look at today. The requirements of being able to have access not only to the public, but also for the worker itself. So it really has changed uh, how a facility manager looks at things. And what it has done, it has not only uh, provided lots of access, but it really has required a broader knowledge, a broader understanding uh, of what a facility manager does. You know, a number of years ago, it, uh, many of our facilities were operated by stationary engineers. There were, uh, the steam was in uh, our buildings as a driving force to not only heat, but also to operate buildings from uh, steam plants to uh, pumping. A lot of it early on was all done, and particularly in the manufacturing world, a lot of it was driven by steam. And so the requirement for a stationary engineer was important. And the development of that over time, and as steam has kind of uh, gone out of vogue because of the uh, dangerous nature of steam and the high pressure of it, there was lots of explosions uh, of steam boilers that uh, uh, killed people. And unfortunately, uh, it, was, it was a good energy source, but a very dangerous one in the buildings. And so that has kind of changed over time, and those stationary engineers have developed and as they had time available during that time they were doing maintenance work on other things and it required uh, a broader knowledge and so we see new systems coming into place that replace those steam boilers that were built for 200 years of operation uh, being phased out and new technology uh, sophisticated technology being put into place to manage those new things uh, as as we move forward so there's a great deal of knowledge that's required in the area of facility management that maybe 50 years ago was not there because there are new laws 
new regulations, OSHA, FEMA, uh, ADA, uh, all these things that have uh, impacted the role of the facility manager. One of the other great things that has happened uh, that, that really changed the face was, and, and many people might not guess this, but it was the modular office furniture. It used to be when office buildings were built, they were built out of concrete, out of blocks. Uh, you would build an office and it was very uh, static. It, it never changed and people just moved from office to office. They had typewriters. There was no computering, uh, computer networking that was going on. And so uh, as the modular office uh, concept was uh, implemented where they would build out just shell space in a building and then flip that space over uh, every few years depending on the need. And so the uh, brick and mortar inside the buildings went away to steel panels and fiber panels and so forth to create a, an office space that just would, would churn, that they would just change a lot. And then the uh, introduction of computers uh, introduced a whole new level into the space of facility management because of all the networking that took place. Yeah, and now I know that you know people might not come into the office. They can work from home. They can move around where they're working in the office with the computer. Of course, like you mentioned, uh, there's cubes. People have cubes, and so you might just have one large open space with cubes put in that space uh, for all the workers. So like you mentioned, it, it's really uh, an efficient way to manage people. But the facility manager has to be able to consider that space management. He's taking care of not only just the facility and, and the assets within the facility, but also those people and making sure they're comfortable. So very broad, uh, lots of different things he has to consider when he's looking at managing that facility, keeping people comfortable and making them happy. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's uh, evolved the, uh, the need to uh, understand a very much broader knowledge base. And as a technology company ourselves, uh, we see things that uh, maybe some other people don't get to see, have a, a great uh, privilege to, to talk to a lot of different folks in a lot of different markets and industries. And we're seeing uh, uh, ever-increasing need and use of technology in the workspace. And that has produced uh, a, a real strain on our facility managers. Definitely. How do you manage that? How do you change uh, constant uh, requirements of change and the the speed at which you get information today. You know, we have a lot of, uh, of our clients that uh, have much more interface with their customers today. Uh, you take a, a, a town or a small community, people want involvement in their government. They want to be able to communicate. They want to be able to talk. They want to be able to know what's going on. I know here locally uh, with our school district, uh, we're doing a big building campaign and people want to be able to watch the construction of those buildings. And so they're putting technology, they're using technology and uh, putting pictures, aerial pictures of the construction progress oh, wow. on, uh, on, online so people can see that, so the community can see it. It's still another added layer of responsibility that the facility manager has to take today to inform their people, to keep them uh, abreast of what's going on. And you take in the healthcare environment. You know, people want to understand when they walk into a hospital that uh, they're not going to come out worse than when they went in. Right. And so uh, it's really put a strain on our uh, healthcare environment to make sure that uh, indoor air quality, that uh, the areas are safe, that they're not being exposed to anything, that the airflows are correct, 
and there's just such a broad variety of those things that uh, are we are that people are exposed to and expecting out of our facility managers today. Well, the responsibilities are growing exponentially, so they have so much on their plate, and technology has been used to help them manage all those different responsibilities, and and that's only going to continue to to be added. They're only going to have more work as time goes on. So, uh, because we continue to have events in which drive new rules, new regulations, whether it's in our healthcare facilities, whether it's in our schools, uh, whether it's in our corporation, our corporate buildings. Um, so technology is what allows us to manage all of that. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. That's, that's how we're becoming more efficient uh, and being able to manage the work that we're doing. And, and I don't see that getting any, uh, any less, no, those requirements and, and those regulations and the technology. We're seeing more and more and more of that. So, uh, you know, this gives us a great jumping off point for uh, many, uh, many episodes to come of talking and diving into some of these things a little more deeply to understand the evolution. Uh, there's a whole thing around finance that uh, we need to talk about, uh, the role of the facility manager in understanding uh, finances and leasing and property ownership, or should we, should we lease out the building? Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that has evolved and has created not only the need for very smart, intelligent uh, facility managers, but also a role that's very demanding and uh, very, very much required uh, a very strong skill base in this. I think it's important to, to, we'll be able to talk about the importance of the facility manager. Obviously, uh, we just listed quite a few things that they're responsible for, but a lot of times they don't get uh, the recognition they deserve. And so I think uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, but we can talk about that as well. Well, very good. Tony, well, I've enjoyed uh, having this discussion with you today, and uh, I look forward to, to time together with you and our audience in the future. And we really want you to uh, give us feedback at uh, podcast at facilitydude.com. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, if you have ideas or thoughts that we missed today, uh, please comment on it and give us feedback and maybe some uh, discussion that you'd like to uh, hear us talk about in the future. Yeah, Papa Dude, it's been a pleasure. Tony, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.